Boston Celtics take game three. They're two wins away from a title. NBA Australia, how are you going? Hang on, it is NBA Australia, it's Thursday, June 9th, all day, and the NBA Finals just got interesting. Oh yeah, you better believe it. I'm your host, James Clemens, I'm a writer sometimes, for whom wants to pay me that sweet, sweet folding stuff, here in Larry Armour Studios, cold buddy, cold, in a hoodie, in a beanie, it's all going on. Either way, we're talking the NBA Finals, game three today, a fascinating game. It was a Clay game, it was a Jalen Brown game, it was a Steph game, but then it was the Celtics game. So we're going to wrap and react that in the NBA Australia game wrap. Uh, we've got That's Not a Knife, Old Mate, No Mate, Spud of the Night, Better Than Lonzo Ball, uh, a quick nominee for Legend of the Week, or at least just Funny Bastard of the Week. There you go. Uh, we've got some Yanazi on Popular Opinion of the Day and our back take house, where we're serving up a flame grill take. Uh, we've got a Shane Hill Shooter Shoot Shoot Your Shot Light Em Up Award. Uh, a Patty Mills Inspiration Ball, Game Day Ball, Game Day, and a First Blush Quickie NBA Australia Game Preview for Game 4, which will be on Saturday. Uh, we'll, you know, preview that properly on tomorrow's show. But either way, let's get into it. We'll finish off with a brand new Jocks Rocks, everybody's favourite new NBA Australia segment. <laughs> let's get into it. Episode 831 of NBA Australia. Let's go. This is Joe Ingalls, and you're listening to NBA Australia. Watch out for the shark attack! Uh, you better, I guess, or the uh, Stephen May, Jake Melksham attack if you're the uh, Melbourne Football Club. That's been pretty funny, hasn't it? Sure. Anyway, but you better watch out for the Jalen Brown attack today if you're the Warriors. Holy moly, let's start today's show the way we start every show here at NBA Show with a daily whip around. Big Simo, Ben Simmons, Box Hill, Benny! A bit of an update on his back surgery. Apparently he's done with the recovery phase, a.k.a. can't get your back smashed out. <laughs> Poor Benny. Uh, well, that goes all the way back to May 5th. He had the, uh, may the 5th be with you. Um, when he had his surgery... He's into the rehab, well into the rehab phase. So projections, had him back on the court in three months. No hiccups or setbacks so far to set that back. So looking all on track for Ben Simmons. Love it. The Utah, yes. It's a soft J. Uh, They're basically out there trawling through the NBA for a coach. After Quinn Snyder uh, somewhat abruptly resigned the other day. Uh, so some of the names being thrown around. Johnny Bryant over there from the Knicks. Will Hardy from the Celtics. Charles Lee from the Bucks. Joe Missoula from the Celtics. Uh, a couple of the Jazz assistants. Lamar Skeeter. Skeet, skeet. Uh, Alex Jensen. Uh, former Portland coach Terry Stotts. Frankie Vogues. Frank Vogel. Chris Quinn from Miami. And uh, Adrian Griffin from Toronto. Kevin Young from Phoenix. Basically the Jazz uh, crossing all the lowercase J's. No, crossing all their T's and dotting their lowercase J's. Good job, Yaz. I'll tell you what, the uniforms that they're spruiking at the moment, 
I might have to go out there and have a bit of a word to some of the uh, Utah Jazz ownership and just go, what are you doing? Nothing screams jazz like absolutely block letters that do nothing. And this is what happens when you have tech dudes in charge of NBA teams. <laughs> oh, it's so jazzy. That's like the opposite of jazzy, idiots. Anyway, the Lakers. The Lakers stink. They are also firing David Fisdale, Mike, uh, Mike Penberty, and John Lucas III. Uh, their assistant coaches, obviously letting Darvin Ham bring in his dudes, which I kind of like. Uh, Woj was on the telly. Did you see that? I love Woj. Woj is great. Because it's like, can we make one man a complete void of charisma? You remember that song by Frenzel Rom, Mr. Charisma? Yeah. It's kind of taking the piss a little bit. But at the same time, like Woj is still the opposite of Mr. Charisma. It's just, it's astounding how somebody can make that much money and just have zero interest in who they are. Um, but anyway, he was talking about how the uh, the league, the NBA, and the uh, Players Association are actually meeting at the moment about uh, the CBA, the Collective Bargaining Agreement. Adam Silver popped on the tally just to talk about a bunch of stuff. Uh, some nice softball questions from Stephen A. and Jalen. <laughs> hey, maybe you should shorten the season. Hey, Adam. Hey, Adam, what about these other things? Thanks, Granny. Yeah, fuck off, idiots. That was horrible. Anyway, um, but they can opt out of the current deal in December, but basically they're trying to figure out the CBA because they will have a huge influx of cash on the next round of uh, of the uh, TV deal that they sign across TNT, ABC, ESPN, etc. So... They're figuring out maybe some of the nuts and guts of the CBA now, which is pretty smart because you might remember last time there was a huge influx of cash in the uh, TV from the TV deal. The CBA was kind of like, ah, oh, what do we do? And the Players Association like, we don't want it smooth. And then everybody kicked up a stink because KD signed with the Warriors. So it's good that they're talking about it now. Right. Who cares about all that nerd shit? Let's get to the game wrap. Four. Game three of the NBA Finals. Game three of the NBA Finals. Finals, 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 finals. All right, let's do it. Game three. Game wrap, game wrap, game wrap, game wrap, game wrap. That's right, the game wrap. Today was awesome. What a fun, weird start. The Warriors were out there. Ah, the rim. Why is it so hard to hit these shots? It's because it's too fucking hard. (laughs) I love it. The Celtics had the rim at the Warriors' end a couple of inches too high. That's some red Auerbach shit where there's only cold water in the visitor locker rooms. Uh, There's no air con. We're playing in (laughs) in summer for the finals, etc. My point in the, uh, I think the preview we did on the live stream earlier was that they needed to just get the double rims, those horrible double rims from Ballarat High School out there on the, uh, the blacktops, the tarmac. Love that, because then, in my experience, no one could be able to hit a shot on those. (laughs) Jimmy, is it because you're not that great at basketball? Shut up. No. Anyway, so there you go. Threw the Warriors off, and I'll tell you what, I kind of feel like it worked, right? So they complained about that, and it uh, sort of got them off to a bad start, really. I think they hit the first bucket, but then off they went. So this game was an interesting one, because as I mentioned in yesterday's preview, the Celtics hadn't lost back-to-back games or playoffs. That turns out to be true again. Uh, where they actually pull off a pretty good and amazing, rousing Game 3 home win, 116-100. As mentioned, like the Warriors score that first bucket, then Boston rip off a 10-zip run that just had everybody just falling over themselves. 
I think it was a Jalen three, an Al Horford three, and then a Jalen three again. Smarts in the paint. And you're like, geez, they're looking for their threes a lot. But Boston were also playing really smart from the get-go. And I think this is really the story of this game is the Boston offense was not just a one-trick pony. It was aggressive from the get-go. And then defensively with their two big structure down the stretch, like the rebounding, the defense for Boston really just kicked in a notch and the Warriors could not keep up. So from the get-go, Jalen was feeling it. He had 10 points early. Two fouls really early on Steph as well made a big difference because they're up 18-9 to really quickly. Smart misses a couple of free throws. Horford misses a couple of free throws later. But what you could see straight away was the Celtics' defense was flying around. You had Al in the paint, Jalen in the paint. Uh, They're scoring buckets. And you're like, ooh, this balance of like, just picking off passes, lazy passes from the Warriors, getting out in transition, getting into the paint, getting these nice buckets. Boston were looking amazing early on. I think they are up like 26-11. And ironically for what happened later, they pulled the two big lineup out quick as fuck. Like Derek White came in for Time Lord after only, I think, three and a half minutes in the first quarter. And it's 30-15. to 15. It's a hell of a start by Boston. But of course, this is Boston. So the offensive lull was coming, and then it happened. Like, Clay hit a three. He was feeling it, Clay. And as soon as he hit that three in the first quarter, he's like, yep, this is a Clay game. Let's go. I told you. I mentioned on the preview yesterday. Mentioned on the video this morning. All signs point to Clay. So he hits that three. He gets to the line. Um, a couple of missed threes in Boston in the first quarter. They should have been up over 15, but it was 33-22. Jalen had 17 points in the first quarter. It was unreal. And then the start of the second, Boston were just, again, feeling great. A couple of Grant Williams buckets. You had a bit of a the start of the dust-up between Draymond and Grant Williams. And I'm like, here we go. This is where Draymond gets kicked out. It was The uh, the pick was always going to be Draymond kicked out in the first half. He managed to con- uh, control himself a little bit there. He also spent a lot of this game just being an absolute ass, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, Peyton Pritchard hits a three, but the Warriors, look, they fought it back down in the second quarter. They got it down to 12. Tatum laces a three and another one. He was using his size really nicely, I thought. Jason Tatum being aggressive and not really sort of settling for buckets. He sort of watched Jalen Brown go off in the first quarter. He walked around the, he worked around the margins and then sort of got it, got it going a little bit that second quarter. And then the apocryphal Warriors, oh, shit, moment. Where, so Horford, like I think Tatum throws a uh, alley-oop to Jalen Brown. He misses it. It's like a little bit too high and he's going a little bit too quickly. Horford gets the uh, rebound though. He gets fouled. He misses two free throws. I think they're up 17 at that point and it would have put them up 19. Boom, Clay hits a three. Wiggins has a dunk and Steph has a three, right? It was like underneath, I think the uh, Celtics went underneath on a Clay. uh Sort of bit of side pick and roll action. Clay nails a three. There's a miss in transition. Wiggins dunks. Bad pass from Smart. Turnover. Steph just laces a fucking three. It's a nine-point game. Out of nowhere. You're like, what is happening? And this is because the Celtics on like time after time attempt. Uh, time after time. Talk about offensive lulls. They had one possession where I think they had four shots and missed them all. It's like Al missing a three. White missing a three. Tatum gets blocked. And they have another bite of the cherry and they miss it. And then Steph gets a layup the other way, even with his three fouls. But the way that they were playing, 
the Celtics sort of did at least keep their heads. Like Derek White got a layup and one, settled them down. They were back up 10. And you're like, this is kind of crucial. As long as the Celtics are up over double figures after the first half, they should be okay. Brown hits a three with a minute and a half left. Uh, Tatum can't get anything to go. Otto Porter hits a just crazy three. But then Marcus Smart, and this was like the tweet and then the halftime chat we had on the uh, live stream. When Marcus Smart drives to score and it just has like the rest of the Warriors' heads on a swivel because it's like, oh, shit, he's going to kick it out. And he always just goes, oh, guess what? I'm already at the cup because he has that just little bit of explosivity that gets him there quicker than you expect. He had two drives, which is nice little layups back-to-back. Uh, Curry had a buck in the middle. Celtics finish off the half with a pretty bad final possession, but they're up 12. Up 12. Clay was looking awesome. Brown was looking unreal. Steph had three fouls. It was sort of uh, lurking, though. Smart driving to score made a big difference. You had Alan Grant Williams doing stuff as well. Very handy. Tatum playing a little bit softly, but... He was at least keeping his uh, head in the game and not letting it get ahead of him. So going into the second half, as we said in the live stream, it's like, well, the Celtics are up 12, so they're going to be down six or eight going into the fourth quarter. (laughs) Turns out they'd only still be up four. So they only lost the third quarter by eight. You'll take it if you're a Celtics fan. But it was a really fun quarter. It really was because Time Lord was looking pretty good in that second half. Uh, he had some great defensive possessions. Like Smart just had an absolute belter to kick it off uh, against Wiggins. Tatum just missed a couple of layups here and there, though, that you're just like, dude, stop with the trying to draw contact rather than trying to make the shots. How about you try to make the shot and draw the contact, you know? In that order. That's what I'm trying to say. There was just a couple of wonky Celtics offensive trips, and then boom, Clay hits a three, Curry has a jumper. Tatum backs it up with a three. They're back up 11. The Warriors downsize. So you've got Steph, you've got Clay, you've got Wiggins, you've got Draymond, and you've got Gary Payton II, who plays a lot bigger than he is. Curry then comes just that weird, funky, just one of the more chaos moments you'll ever see in an NBA game, let alone a finals game. The seven-point possession. The single offensive trip resulting in seven points. Seven! That's why the game's never over, bro. Seven points, one offensive possession, where it's a nine-point game. Curry hits a three and one. Al Horford fouls him. They upgrade it to a flagrant one because he lands in Curry's landing space. I'm going to yell about that later. And so Steph hits the free throw. They get the ball back. Otto Porter hits a three. It's a seven-point possession, two-point game. Absolutely amazing scenes in Boston. Everybody in Massachusetts' sphincters just tightened, like beyond the Ducks proverbial. And the Celtics, like, they'd almost gone into their prevent offense early. And you're like, oh, God, you had missed Derek White jumpers. Al could not get anything to go. Curry hits a three, and just like that, the Warriors lead. It's been the Celtics game all game. And the Warriors lead it out of nowhere. But... Smart hits a three finally. They get the lead back. Uh, Steph picks up his fourth foul like pretty early on in that third quarter. And that was a third, that was the most frustrating part, I think, watching this if you're a Celtics fan, is that they just didn't attack Curry time and time and time and time and time again to, I don't know, force the refs to like make decisions about whether or not they want to ping Steph with his fifth foul, etc. Either way, Tatum hits free throws. He gets another layup to answer a clay jumper. Ends up being a 19-5 Warriors run 
And there's just a couple of moments towards the end of the third quarter where you've got like a really sloppy Marcus Smart driving kick to nowhere. Jordan Poole hits a free throw and you're like, they're right here. Like the Warriors are right in this. And then it turns just that little bit because there's a couple of trips where the Warriors miss a couple of shots and there's a scramble for the rebound. But the Celtics have Grant Williams and Rob Williams, Time Lord, out there. And then on the offensive end, they're just getting tap-outs. They're getting offensive rebounds. Grant Williams gets free throws and he hits a three. And somehow the Celtics kind of just managed to limit the damage. Just enough. So they only they only lead by four after the third quarter. It's 93-89. But at least they still fucking lead, right? That's much better than being down eight. It's much better than being down to it's much better than being down twenty-three, like in game game two. So taking that four-point lead into the fourth quarter, uh, thanks to ESPN in Australia, we have an ad instead of the first twenty seconds of the fourth quarter, which is just amazing. Just great stuff. Uh, covering themselves in glory. Come back. It turns out Jordan Poole traveled. Uh, we have Tatum free throws. Smart banks into three. Celtics are up back up nine. And then three, like, this is all just part of, like, three of the most chaotic minutes of basketball you'll ever see. It's just turnovers, missed shots, scrambles for balls. Steph has three turnovers in, like, two minutes at the start of the fourth quarter. There's steals everywhere. There's missed shots. Like, I think I mentioned in the wrap after the game on the uh, live stream, Smart has a shot that he just launches because the shot clock's about to run out. It misses, but they get the offensive rebound. I think they miss the ensuing shot again. But then it's all just so discombobulated. They manage to get a steal at half court. That then turns into an open marker Smart 3, which he misses. <laughs> but Grant Williams is there, gets the offensive rebound, gets the sort of uh, put back up and in. And you're like, hang on, that's okay. They're back up 11. And after three minutes, it's just chaos. It's a 9-2 start for the Celtics, and they're back up 11. Out of nowhere, really, in just one of the great chaos ball moments in NBA Finals history. Like, it was just fucking chaos. It's going on everywhere. And that was the moment where, like, the rebounds just really started to, like, matter. There, I think there were plus 14 in rebounds at that point, and it was telling. Boston are like, no, fuck it. We'll just keep going big because Draymond can't rebound. He's too small. Robert Williams is playing through pain. Grant Williams is big enough. We'll bring in Horford as well. We'll see what happens. Horford had been getting torched on defense by continually, continually, continually going under screens too far and too deep against Steph, who was just like, sweet. I'll just shoot this then. Um, But Horford was also just sort of giving them enough playmaking and enough actual scoring on the other end to make it worth it. And then, though, there's two massive moments in the back half of this fourth quarter. Uh, Wiggins hits his first three. He was 0-4 at that point. It's an eight-point game. Eight and a half minutes to go. Tatum, though, drives at Wiggins on the next possession, gets it to go. That felt massive. And then Jalen Brown draws Draymond's fifth foul, like seven and a half minutes to go. He misses both free throws. But the second one is waved off for a line violation and he hits the third one. You're like, hello, here we go. And Time Lord was then playing his ass off. He gave them time after time, bites again and again and again at different rebounds, both defensive and offensive. And they stayed with the two bigs against the small Warriors. And so Tatum, having 
with uh, you know, gone out Wiggins, actually made a layup. He's feeling confident again. He takes a weak three over Steph, misses it. They get the ball back off a mystery. Tatum drives into the contact, though, and has an awesome tough layup that puts the Celtics back up 11. He was fouled about four different times by Marcus Smart as well. But doesn't matter. Warriors go back. They miss. Tatum has the ball, dribbles into a crowd. It's a great setup. He just probes enough. Smart is open in the corner for a three. Tatum finds him. Boom. 14-point lead. I think Clay gets blocked by Brown. And then we go back up the Boston way. There's a scrum on the ground after an offensive, uh, after a miss. Or it might have been a tip. The ball's loose either way. Somehow Smart comes out with it. Draymond shoves him like a fucking idiot. Because now he's fouled out. Four minutes left, 12-point Boston lead. Al throws a lob to Time Lord. It's beautiful. 14-point game. Wiggins dunks after a timeout. Smart hits a layup, though. 14-point lead again. Two minutes to go. Kerr pulls his starters. And that's it. Packer up, boys. Celtics dominated the boards. They stayed big. And they didn't let anyone outside of Curry and Clay really hurt them too much. Like, Wiggins, we know that Andrew Wiggins, when he scores, it's found money kind of vibes. And it's also kind of the ones where you go, that's fine. They're going to fill in the gaps. Just don't let Jordan Poole get going. Because... As we saw in Game 3, Jordan Poole, when you're up 15, is fucking awesome. Jordan Poole, when you're down 12, it's about as useless as tits on a bull. So, thing for the Celtics, they contained their turnovers at crucial moments, whereas the Warriors had some brutal ones, especially in that fourth quarter, and especially with Clay. Uh, Clay, Not Clay, uh, Steph. Steph had the three turnovers to start off the uh, fourth And this is how good the Boston defense was in that fourth quarter. They held the Warriors to 5 of 15 shooting. Steph and Clay in the fourth go 1 for 7 combined. 0 of 4 from downtown for the two of them. No one else could get anything to go. And that was it. Packer up, boys. As a team, they go 1 of 9 from downtown in the fourth quarter. And it was just those clamps. You want me to use these clamps? These clamps that I use every day in my freaking life, you freaking idiot. You're an idiot, you moron. That's right. They used the clamps. They gave him the clamps. Tatum had eight points in that fourth. Uh, Smart hit a couple of threes. He had the eight. But they only had one turnover in the fourth uh, in the fourth quarter. The Warriors had eight. Eight. Poole had three turnovers. Steph had three. Wigo had one. JTA had one in the uh, garbage moments at the end of the game. But... It was amazing. Like, the size, the defense, it just completely ruined the Warriors. And a lot of it was to do with the fact that outside of Steph, and if Poole's not cranking, they just don't have that extra sort of uh, playmaking threat. Where, like, Draymond, yes, he's a playmaker, but at the same time, when he's having a game like he's having today, you can just ride him off. So, like, pack her up, boys. Sweet. On your, on your bike there, Draymond. You're in your own head. And the turnovers just reared their ugly head at the exact wrong moment for the Warriors, and the Celtics took advantage. And that's what a good defense does. So 17 total turnovers for the uh, Warriors only leads to 17 Celtics points, but it's also more about just like the possessions that they gave up because it just shot themselves in the foot time and time again down the stretch where the Celtics are up. And if you give the ball up, you've suddenly just burned a shit ton of clock. And even if the Celtics don't score, like you've pretty much lost a minute or so of game time. 
between your possession where you lose the ball, the Celtics' possession, and then your possession next time around. And it just killed him. So they wanted it more, the Celtics. You saw Smart come up with that scrum ball that fouled out Draymond. You saw it time and time again with the offensive tip-outs, the offensive rebounds of Time Lord and Co. And the Celtics, look, they're just a bit bigger. They're a bit more athletic. And as I said, like outside of Steph, like you can't go, well, Clay's like definitely more athletic than young Jalen Brown. Nope, not anymore. Jordan Poole, well, are you behind in the game? Yep, well, he's a basket case. <laughs> and that's kind of it. Like Gary Payton II, he's awesome. The mitten, but he's not going to go out there. He's just coming back from a fucking crazy elbow injury. So the size, the defense, did a great job. Uh, for the Warriors, Steph had 31 in the end. 12 of 22 shooting, 6 of 11 from 3. He was awesome. Two assists, two steals, three turnovers all at once in that fourth quarter. It kind of shot themselves in the foot. 25 for Clay. He went 5 of 13 from downtown. So that's 11 of 24 for the Splash Brothers. Everybody else, I believe, went 4 of... Uh, yeah, what was that? So 11 of 24 for Splash Brothers. 4 of 16 for everybody else. Now, I'm no math magician, but 4 of 16 is not good. Oh, bruh, that's not good at all, eh? So, yeah, not ideal. Wiggins, he ends up with 18 points. He shot 7 of 16, only goes 1 of 6 from deep. Loons, he was all right. It felt like at times they probably should have been playing more of Kevon Looney rather than going, well, we need Draymond to goose the defense and also low dribble. It's like, well, maybe sometimes you just need a dude who's fucking big because that's what Boston have got. Uh, Poole, 10 points on 4 of 8 shooting, but he did only go 1 of 4 from downtown. Otto, I like to get blood to Porter. 2 of 3, both 3, 6 points. Draymond, the quadruple single, 2, 4, 3, 1, 2. Yep, the 2.4 rebound, 3 assist, 1 block game. Uh, 2 turnovers, 6 fouls. Yep, he had more fouls than points, rebounds, assists, and blocks. So, not ideal. I mean, he had more fouls than he had, like, he had the same amount of fouls as he had points and rebounds combined, so that's pretty brutal. And Gary Payton the second, 11 minutes. He went 0 of 2. The defense was good. That lineup looked pretty good, but then it just, they were a bit too small. Uh, the Celtics, Tatum was unreal. It's 26-9 assists, 6 rebounds for him, 3 of 9 from downtown, only 2 turnovers. Key, same for Jalen Brown, 2 turnovers there, 27 points for him. He was amazing. Got them off to a great start. I'm going to talk about both of them in a second. Four of eight from downtown for Jalen. Smart ends up with 24. An amazing game for Marcus Smart. Eight of 17 shooting. Three of seven from downtown. Uh, I think it was only like one of four as well at some point. Um, ends up five of seven on free throws after missing those first two as well. And it was weird because the Celtics end up having like those two early empty free throw line trips where Smart misses both, Horford misses both. And then later, Jalen misses both. And you're like, oh, missing free throws is like 100% the thing that will come back to bite you on the ass. They end up missing seven free throws in the end, 17 to 24. But luckily, they were okay. 11, 8, and 6 for Horford. Oh, Smart also had five turnovers, but he also had five assists and also caused about 87 turnovers just by being him. Like, Smart had zero steals, zero blocks. But he had the second highest plus minus on the team. And I feel like this caused havoc just by being out there. Like deflection, shit like that, just causing turnovers. It was pretty gnarly. Um, who else? 11, 8, and 6 for Horford. 1 or 2 from downtown. He was really good, I thought. Time Lord, 8 points, 10 rebounds, 3 steals, and 4 blocks. Unreal. Plus 21 for Time Lord. 
Uh, Grant Williams, 10 and 5, goes 1 of 4 from downtown, but 4 of 7 shooting overall. And again, this is what we saw in sort of towards the end of the Miami series. That little bit of energy and hustle is sometimes all you need. And those tip-outs, just that energy around the ball, it makes such a difference for your team. Derek White ends up with 7 points, goes 3 and 9. It was pretty solid. Pritchard hit a 3 early, as mentioned, plus 15. But either way, Boston... Having gone, right, screw it. We might live with Steph Curry just fucking dropping bombs in our face. But as long as we get every rebound, and they out-rebounded them 47-31, to which is crazy. They had 15 offensive rebounds. 15! Absolutely crazy. That just made a big difference. It just gave them so many extra bites at the cherry. And so there you go. In the end... In terms of second chance points, like the Celtics had 22 to 11 fast break points, the Warriors had 18 to 4, but the points in the paint, the points in the paint, the Celtics, this is aggression. 52. They doubled the amount the Warriors had. 26. Amazing vibes. You love to see it. Boston lead 2 1. They've shipped back up to Boston. And now they've got a great chance to stick it to them. Go up 3 1, take a command of the series. But either way, Celtics will take that. Huge, huge win. 2-1 in the NBA Finals 2022. Let's do an NBA Australia approved performance of the night. <laughs> That's not a knife. That's a knife. Jalen Brown, then Jason Tatum, if that makes sense. So Brown's aggression early was amazing. That first half was fucking special. 17 points in the first quarter. That's the most in any finals quarter over the last 50 years for the Celtics. Ray Allen did it the second quarter in 2010. That's the most. Unbelievable. Unbelievable quarter. He came out, gave them the exact start that the Celtics needed. He had those 10 points really early. It put the Warriors on the back foot. And you know that the run's going to come from the Warriors. It's always going to come. But if you're also up a fair amount of points, it makes it that little bit easier to weather that run, bounce back, and then put your own clamps on in the fourth quarter, as we saw, with like, you know, an absolutely bonkers defensive effort in that fourth quarter. That's all set up by stuff like Jalen Brown dropping 17 in the first. So then you can have the 23 to 11 fourth quarter where you just stop them straight dead. He ends up with 27 points, nine rebounds, five assists, only two turnovers and did not actually look like a basket case every time he dribbled the ball. But this is also my point. I think every time that Jalen Brown dribbles the ball more than three to four times, like there's got to be an 80% chance it's a turnover. <laughs> Today, he barely, he knew it. He knew it. He's like, oh, well, I'll take one, two, three dribbles and we're up and in. Off you go. I'm a catch and shoot player now. What's up? But 27-9-5 for Jalen. Shot the shit out of it as well. 9-16 overall. 4-8 of eight from downtown. Great game. And that set them up for Tatum, who had, you know, not the world's greatest first half by any means, but in terms of his second half, Tatum ends up with, Tatum ends up with 15 in the second half. He shoots 5-13. of 13. The first half, is, as mentioned, he sort of fills the gaps. Has 11 points in that first half. Was playing a little bit softly, and then... That key bucket where he sort of just drove through all the contact, hit the layup, 
And it's like, yeah, that's how you're the tough guy. Like, you got to be tough. You don't get the foul call, but at the same time, it's like Clay misses that three. Tatum scores two after taking that week three over Steph. They're up nine, I think, at that point. He puts them up 11 and should have gotten the foul call. Then he sets up smart on the very next play for a three. That's the dagger. 14 points rolling from there. His willingness to keep at it, to sort of not shy away from the challenge despite, you know, getting seemingly fuck all foul calls. I mean, the Warriors only got 10 uh, free throw attempts. The Celtics, uh, that was in the first half, 10 and 11 in the first half. Overall, it was only 15 for the Warriors and it was only 15, uh, 24 rather for the uh, Celtics. But a lot of those in for the Celtics, it really sort of came down to the simple fact that they were that much more aggressive down the stretch. And you saw it in the fourth quarter because the Warriors had zero free throw attempts in the fourth and the Celtics had six. And that's where the difference like lay. It's like, well, cool. The Warriors are going to shoot nine threes out of their 15 free throw attempts. They're going to turn the ball over a shit ton. Boom. We're going to win this game. That's what happened. And willing, like the willingness to attack, the willingness to get fouled, the willingness to score in the paint, that was all led by Tatum in that second half. Leadership from Brown and Tatum, huge. This is what you want from Brown and Tatum. 26 points, 27 points, great stuff. That's the uh, combined NBA Australia performance of the night. That's not a knife. It's not quite a uh, pool room game, but it's pretty impressive. I tell you what, it's almost a shitty Louvre game. Spud, 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 Three-year-olds counting is always pretty funny. He's all right. He's pretty good with his counting. He actually counted back from 10 the other day. Blew my fucking mind. I'm like, Jesus, kid, I can barely do that. Anyway, the two, four, three, and six, that's two points, four rebounds, three assists, six fouls for Draymond. This final so far, Draymond's got more turnovers than made buckets. He's got 15 fouls and 15 points. I mean, that's just not ideal, you know? Two points, four rebounds, he goes just a pretty horrendous sort of, uh, like the threes that he attempted, he goes 0 of 2 from downtown, 1 of 4 from the floor. Four rebounds, three assists, six fouls, two turnovers. Just a spud game from Draymond. Because I think the frustrating aspect of that, if you're a Warriors fan, is that you saw the flashes of the good. Like the two points that he got was a beautiful drive, layup up and in. Uh, some of those assists were absolutely kissing fingers emoji, but then the turnovers, the fouls, the shoving Marcus Smart with the ball when you've got five fouls is just an absolute spud territory. But for these finals, he's got 15 points. He's gone 0 of 7 from 3, 5 of 10 at the free throw line, 15 turn- total points, more turnovers than made buckets. Draymond in Boston, after all that shit he pulled... You knew that he was going to be uh, playing on eggshells, and he played like it as well. Funny to see. And I'm not going to you know, shy away from it. I fucking loved every second of it. Because that very much leads into Old Mate No Mates. 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 
Old mate, no mate. Old mate, no mate. Fuck you, Draymond. Fuck you, Draymond. Ah, man. I very much enjoyed the Celtics crowd just going, yeah, Draymond can go fuck himself. (laughs) I'm sick of his shit. Fuck him. Uh, So, yeah, Draymond, very much some old mate, no mates uh, territories in Boston right now. Copped an earful. And he's also the sort of dude where you go, yeah, look, Draymond, he gives it. He takes as much as he gives. He doesn't let it affect his performance. Oh, no, he 100% let it affect his performance, I thought, today. Like, his inability with all the fouls to get right in and amongst it for the uh, rebounds. Some of the fouls are wildly stupid. A couple of the crappy turnovers. But to come out of this with a two, three, four... Six <laughs> kind of stat line. It's just gross. And definitely the Boston crowd let him hear it, which is great to see. Pantsing the night. Rob Williams got put in the spin cycle at the uh, start of the fourth quarter by Jordan Poole, which is pretty funny. Like, Time Lord's just like, wait, where'd he go? God, no. Well, um, he's behind me, isn't he? Uh, but then Time Lord also blocked the shit. Out of Steph Curry, who's like, oh, check that. I think it might have been on the way down. And to be honest, in the review, well, they didn't review it, but in the uh, replay, it looked like it had maybe plateaued. But at the same time, it was so far away from the bucket, you're kind of like, eh, that was so sick by timeline. Like, let's just let it stand. So fuck that. So bit of a pantsing there by Steph. Those three turnovers, it was a pantsing. Uh, Rob Williams just getting turned inside out by Paul was pretty funny too. So a couple of good pantsings there. Better than Lonzo Ball. Lonzo was the best player in high school. He was the best player in college. You think you don't get to the pros and be like, I made it to the pros. Now I can be average. We're coming for everybody. Coming for everybody. Uh, Time Lord. Time Lord again. Eight points, ten rebounds, three steals and four blocks in 25 minutes. He shot four or five from the floor. He had the three offensive rebounds. Ends up with a ten overall. I thought he was fucking spectacular. Plus 21. Like, he was very, like, obviously still hampered by his leg injury, obviously. But his willingness to sort of fight through it and just show those little, little snippets of, of athleticism. You're like, holy crap. Like, this is what the Warriors need Kevin Looney to be. And they're not playing him. And Looney sometimes can bring that sort of energy, but he just doesn't have quite the imposing stature of Time Lord. And Time Lord really, really put that to good use. Eight points, ten rebounds, three steals, four blocks. Easily better than Lonzo Ball. Also became the six, sorry, the second Celtics player to uh, have at least three blocks and three steals in a finals game behind Kevin McHale back in 1986-86 against the Rockets in Game 4. And uh, how about a quick Legend of the Week and also a bit of a combo better than Lonzo Ball. So after the game, Lisa Salter's speaking to Jason Tatum. She's like, you, Marcus, and Jalen are the first trio to go 20 and 5 and 5 in a finals game since Kareem, Magic, and Michael Cooper did it in 1984. What do you think about that company? And Jason Tatum was like, I was born in 1998. <laughs> Which is a bit of a, a weird thing to say because it's like, She's like, how do you, what do you think about that company? It's like, yeah, it's pretty fucking awesome. Considering I was born 14 years after that happened. <laughs> like, that's sick. That happened a long time ago. 
But I enjoyed that response. I was born in 1998. What the fuck are you talking to me in 1984 for? Jesus. Orwell. Anyway, let's do some Yenars right after this. What a great game that was. Fuck, it was fun. Anyway, let's do Yenars right after these ones. This is Cam Glidden. This is Anthony Drimmick. This is Miss McCarran. This is Jason Kiddie. This is Daryl McDonald. Hey, guys, this is Hugh Greenwood. Yo, what's going on? This is Ellie. This is Mark Worthington or commonly known as Wertho, and you're listening to NBA Australia. You're listening to NBA Australia. And you're listening to NBA Australia. And you're listening to NBA Australia. And you're listening to NBA Australia. you're listening to NBA Australia. And you're listening to NBA Australia. you're listening to NBA Australia. All right. Yeah, now they're brought to you by the NBA Australia shop. Get your merch, get your merch. Demo. Get your merch, get your merch. Wear it. Get your merch, get your merch. Get your merch, get your merch. Get your merch, get your merch, get your merch. Uh, that's right, nba slash shop. Go get a t-shirt, get a hoodie. I've mentioned this time and time again. Doing some work on the house. I'm going to have to clear a bunch of shit out of there. So if I can uh, send you the t-shirt, I hope and just buy one or a hoodie. Means our old mate will be less mad at me. It's like she won't be not bad at me because she's always mad at me because I'm me. <laughs> you know? It's like, Jimmy, you exist. I'm a little bit mad. <laughs> It's like, wow, you married me. Anyway, so yeah, Jimmy, you'll have to pack that shit up. So I, I just save me the hassle and buy a T-shirt, would you? I appreciate all the folks who actually have in the uh, last week or two since I've been bringing, been flogging the uh, shop. So go check it out. Go check out the uh, pics on the socials. You click through there and uh, buy from there as well. NBAstrade.com slash shop if you just want to go direct. Right, Brad McKeegan. Uh, basically, during the... Uh, Preview live stream, McGeegan was like, yeah, nah, Jimmy, Boston, to get it done, fans will be into the refs, Draymond will be teched up early and be on eggshells. So this was the surprise to me. I think after the Grant Williams-Draymond sort of fracker that we saw, right? Like a bit of a, it wasn't much of a fracker, but at the start of the second quarter, like Draymond and Grant kind of got into a little bit. Not too much. They had to be separated. And you're like, you do wonder... If the refs are like, Draymond, if I see fucking anything like this again, you're fucking out of here, pal. And I kind of think it spun Draymond out more than anything else, right? Because he was sort of dealing with fouls here and there. I mean, you saw in the first half, like, the first quarter, you already had Steph with two fouls. Uh, And then in the second quarter... You're like, okay, so there's a couple of fouls already on Draymond too. So you come out of the first half, you've got three on Steph, you've got three on Looney, you've got three, uh, two on Draymond, and then it just got fucking hairy for Draymond after that. And it did feel like he was playing timid, weirdly within himself, knowing that the refs were sort of after his ass. And it's like one of those moments where you're like, well, congrats, Draymond. You played yourself, you know? Kind of vibe, 100% that kind of vibe. Anyway, uh, McKeegan also added, uh, he sent this one through to me earlier, Squid Logic. Leprechaun owns Bridge, therefore Celtics beat Golden State. And uh, so the Squid and I were talking before uh, he went to daycare this morning. So, Daddy, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'll be watching the uh, finals. Then I'm going to do the show. He's like, Who's going to win? And I'm like, I don't know. Who do you like? The green guys or the uh, white and blue guys? He's like, they're green. I'm like, all right. He's like, is there one that's yellow? And I'm like, oh, here we go, because he loves yellow. I'm like, yeah, Golden State of yellow. He's like, oh, well, yellow. I'm like, all right. They're not going to be wearing yellow. He's like, oh, well, green. I'm like, all right, cool. 
the circular logic of a three-year-old. <laughs> but it turns out Leprechaun did own the bridge. Good one, Brad. Uh, Dan Drosher. I love this one. Yeah, nah. The truth's antics have put off any neutral observer who didn't care who won this series. Clapping and jumping around like a lunatic after Horford accidentally fell on Curry's leg is worse than his exit from ESPN. (laughs) Yeah, nah. Nah. Look, I don't think Paul Pierce elicits that much ire from too many folks apart from maybe Lakers fans and probably Toronto fans for the uh, 2014 Brooklyn uh, game winner in game seven. Um, But I fucking love it. I love former players being honored and given places of prominence at the games. Not on the broadcasts because I tend to fucking hate that. But I wish more NBA players uh, and teams were this sort of uh, amalgamated, this connected. I wish more teams had, like, former players courtside to really get in the shit for their teams because I fucking love it. I think it gives a sense of continuity from, like, the past of, like, oh, I remember when he played for this team. That's neat. And it also sort of gives it a bit more of a sense of a community. It also makes them one of us. It makes them fans. It makes the players fans. So it brings us all a little bit closer if they care as much as we do. And also, it's fucking hilarious <laughs> because, like, this is a part of home court advantage. Like, I feel like this is a one way that you combat home court advantage uh, sort of slightly being lost in the uh, reselling of tickets era. Have Paul Pierce courtside just yelling shit at Draymond and goading him into text and stuff like that. That's a fucking great idea. Like, if Drake can be there for Toronto, if DJ Khaled can be there fucking giving Eric Spolstra fucking shoulder rubs and shit. Like, I want to see, like, former players, like, courtside, hanging out, causing absolute havoc for their teams. I reckon that's unreal. Uh, But also, I'm going to say nah for Dan's uh, putting off any neutral observer. Look, Horford sort of jumping on Curry, it felt very much just like it's a scrum. And it's one of those weird things when it comes to basketball where if you're on the ground... It's just fucking open season, isn't it? It's always been one of the weirdest things where you can call a ticky-tack fucking, like, reach-in foul. But as soon as somebody hits the fucking floor, you can just, like, suplex a motherfucker. Like, just lead with your elbow. Just going right at the nuts. Just, like, fucking 100% squirrel grip vibes, you know? It's weird. So the fact that I think for that entire, like, the jumping around like a lunatic that Truth did. I think it's more for the Draymond aspect that uh, got Draymond basically fouled out more than anything. And I don't think any neutral observer is watching that and just going, oh, geez, you know what annoys me most about this game is not Draymond's carry-on, it's uh, Paul Pierce. <laughs> I don't think the neutral observer is uh, ranking Paul Pierce above Draymond at this point. A uh, couple more. Scotty Baxter, Al Horford for finals MVP. Yeah, nah. Oh, <laughs> If he hadn't had such a big no show in game two, he'd be a uh, he'd be a bit of a smoky at this point, wouldn't he? He just means so much to this team. But also, like him getting burnt time and time again on defense um, in that first half by Steph probably puts the kibosh on that a little bit. Interestingly, though, I think 
uh, front-running MVP vibes, like Tatum or Brown, like where do you split that? Let alone if Golden State bounce back and Curry wins, um, you know, in the long run. But juice, absolute vibes. And uh, here we go. Can Golden State bounce back and steal game four? Yeah, nah, yeah, of course they can. Will they? Yeah, nah. Oh. At the moment, I'm just leaning towards a little bit of nah, but that's just because, like, in the moment, you know, the instant reaction show like NBA Australia is, like, the thing that sort of sticks out most to me today was just the sheer speed and size of Boston on defense especially. Like, it really feels like it's starting to tell. Like, it's forcing those Warriors turnovers. The Warriors are trying to do that little bit too much. And there were times today where Golden State really looked small and not that athletic. Like, outside of, like, Steph, it felt like no one... Like, Wiggins a little bit. And Clay's just sort of constant movement or whatever. They couldn't quite get anywhere near the amount of separation, I thought, right? That they had in, had in games one and two. And, like, that's where you need Andrew Wiggins to do just that little bit more. And that's, like, the constant frustration of Wiggins where it's like, cool, thanks for the 18 points, Andrew Wiggins, but could have really used 27, you know? That's not exactly Wiggins' game, but he also missed a shit ton of threes. Like, he missed, what, five threes there, one or six in the end? And that's a lot. It's pretty tough. Like, Draymond and Looney's inability to contain the boards was pretty gnarly as well. Even with, like, Time Lord still slightly hobbled, but you could also tell that Time Lord enjoyed having that, like, one day extra off, I think, as well. You know, feeling just that little bit better. It's pretty cool. Um, And that's probably the thing that would worry me because today you saw it. We still had the third quarter Warriors step up, but they couldn't keep it up with Poole struggling. And this is where, as I said earlier, when Jordan Poole... When you've got when you're up twelve, when you're up fifteen, Jordan Poole is fucking awesome. He turns into Steph Curry 2.0. But he's the barometer, and that's why going into this series and why we keep bringing it up game after game after game, Poole is the barometer. He wasn't that good in game one, they lose. He was good in game two, they get up fifteen, he goes ballistic, puts the boot in, off he goes. They win. Today they fucking killed him. He got straight killed. Like he got straight killed. And they lose. So that's the thing that would worry me the most if I'm the Warriors. It's like our shot creation outside of Steph. Uh, if Draymond's struggling, if Poole's struggling, what can we do? What's Wiggins going to do? What's Porter going to do? What can Clay do? Like for Clay to have a really good game and for Boston to survive a Clay game where Clay drops 25, hits five threes, like you got to be sitting there going, shit, are we going to get this again? And they lose. So, And by 16 as well. What about an unpopular opinion of the day? Now look at me, please. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Oh, I don't know if it's unpopular, but like my first thought was that flagrant foul call on Al Horford. I still kind of don't get it because I feel like the idea of the flagrant call when you're jumping into somebody's uh, landing space is reckless, right? Intentional, reckless, etc. A reckless closeout where you're kind of like making sure you land underneath them where I really struggle to see like where there was anything reckless about what Al Horford did. Like his body weight's going forward to contest a shot. He lands. He doesn't go anywhere else. He doesn't extend his legs to go under Steph while Steph is taking a fucking long jump on his shot to land on Al, right? 
Like, that's the strangest part for me where they check it as well. They go, yeah, he's in his landing space. It's like, I don't see where a landing space foul is just everyone's a flagrant. Like, that's tough. Because I don't think it's reckless. And here we are. It was fucking strange. So I don't know. I feel like that's kind of just like a, maybe just call one foul on Al Horford and that's it. But yeah, to give up a flagrant, it's just pretty fucking brutal. Anyway. What about Outback Takehouse for today? It's Thursday at Outback, and you know what that means? Oh, yeah, two-for-one blooming onions. No prick in Australia knows what the fuck these things are. What is it? Some sort of deep-fried onion? To look Made to look like a flower? What the fuck are you lunatic yanks on about? Oh, well, eat it up, you fat bastards. Here you go, two-for-one, only at Outback. And today's Flame Grill Take is... Adam Silver was in Boston, and he know that his buzzer was ringing because Joe Lacob and his $10 million bucks per home playoff game was basically on the blower 24-7, putting in a call to Adam Silver to make sure that Game 4 goes the Warriors' way. This one's got to go 7, because Joe Lacob and his light years ahead team have got to cover some of that fucking luxury tax bill. And you know that he's going to be leaning on Adam Silver to make sure that fucking happens. Only at Outback. Add to that the TV ratings and like them starting to uh, talk about how big this TV deal can be. Like I feel uh, a little bit antsy about my Celtics in six pick, which, you know, I have some moolah attached to. But at the same time, never put it past the NBA to make sure this goes seven. <laughs> it's like, hey, Amazon. Hey, TNT. Hey, ABC and ESPN, look, this one went went seven and everybody watched it. That's amazing. 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 Just saying. Just saying. Keep an eye out on that. Uh, Right, let's take a quick break. Be back with the Shane Hill Shooter Shoot Shoot Your Shot Light Em Up Award and the rest of the show right after this. This is Shane Hill and you're listening to NBA Australia. Praise the love for I'm healed. It is the Shane Heal. Shoot is shoot. Shoot your shot. Light him up award. All right. Love this. It's just Steph Curry shooting threes. <laughs> I mean, there was video of him like hitting 13 straight pregame, etc. But um, so in games one and two, it's the second time that Steph's hit five or more threes in both games one and two of the finals. No one has ever done that once. He's now done it twice. And uh, he's now, like, gone and done it again because he hit six today. That means he's hit five three-pointers in three straight games. That's tied for the longest streak within a single finals ever in the history of the NBA. Tied with himself (laughs) when he did it in the 2016 series uh, when he had seven, five, and six, I think, against the Cavs in games four, five, six. So... Uh, he now has 15 finals games with five or more threes. The next best is Clay with five. That is absolutely fucking psycho. So, yeah, he is a man who steps up when it comes to the finals and hits a shit ton of shots. That is definitely a shooter who loves to bloody well shoot. All right, what about a Patty Mills game day ball or game day Twitter check-in? 
don't know about you, but I am absolutely loving Paddy uh, being all about his uh, trip and, you know, going up north, hanging out, chilling, also getting in some uh, pretty amazing um, vibes up there in the Torres Strait and stuff, and it's just been awesome to sort of keep track of what Paddy's been up to because I'll tell you what, that man, A, takes a really good photo, <laughs> B, like loves, loves, loves uh, sort of basically ensuing, ensuring that his culture is really well recognized and really well celebrated. So he had a great one today. So a huge post. Let's do this one. After reflecting on a full week of activity, storytelling, and cultural practices with my family on Murray Island for the 30th anniversary of Marbo Day, it has made me realize just how important and significant this particular day is to me. Uh, it talks about the order of the High Court of Australia to declare that the Murrayan people are entitled as against the whole world to possession, occupation, use, and enjoyment of the land of the Murray Islands. It goes on to say, This decision has allowed me to live a dream far away from home, stand tall on the other side of the world, and proudly introduce myself as an Indigenous man of Australia. It has brought meaning and purpose to an absurd dream worth of pursuing, comfortably knowing that any success was always going to be for the greater good of my people, identity. This past week, I witnessed my own culture rich in life, thriving off the land, seeing the foundation set by our ancestors, all driven by highly passionate community members and topped off by an inspired generation of pure living, enthusiastic kids immersed in their own culture. Ah, that's so fucking good. Uh, a resilient fight by Eddie Koki Mayabo. Plaintiffs, community members, and an undeniably rich culture. The decision on June 3, 1992 means a powerful identity exists in someone so strong that dreams are chased, goals are achieved, giving back is possible, and returning home is a feeling like you never left. Strong foundation, stronger identity. That's what makes me a proud Australian. Fucking hell, if you won't run through a wall after you see that post, I don't know what will make you do it. But just some great photos by Patty. Uh, having a dance, hanging out with some kids, hanging out with the fam. It is absolutely amazing. So go check it out. Patty Mills, what a fucking inspiration. I love it. All right, now let's do our quick Game 4 preview before tomorrow's Game 4 preview show. Game preview. Game preview. Thanks, Inverton Bane. Not a problem, Jimmy. How's it all going? Oh, yeah, not bad. The old, old mate's away. So it's just myself and the squid for a couple of days. Before we go down the beach for the uh, weekend. Yeah, old mate's just fanged off to Sydney, so... Old mate and the squid. Just me and the squid. (laughs) It's good times. We're going to go to the pub tonight, so... Hey, you know, good times. Nothing like dragging a three-year-old with you to the pub. Nice pub feed. Uh, We missed the today's pick. We had our Golden State in the end. I switched it around, obviously, on yesterday's show. First blush. Always should just uh, trust my first thoughts, eh? So, 0 of 1 leaves us at 50% so far for the players, 43 of 86. Uh, game 4. Warriors are 3.5-point underdogs again. Celtics are 3.5-point favourites. My first thought was this. Uh, as I said earlier, like the size and the defence of the Celtics, it is really, really, really the thing that sticks in my mind out of this game. But at the same time, I think Game 4 is where we get a bit of a classic. I think the Warriors can win that. And if not, it's so close. I think we get a huge Steph game. I think we get enough out of Steph. Pool bounces back. And doesn't it just feel like the Celtics just, in terms of winning two on the trot, it's just 
fucking hard, especially for them. And what have we seen time and time again in these playoffs? The team that loses makes the most adjust- adjustments and tends to uh, have a pretty good sort of bounce back. So let's see what happens there. So my first blush pick is Warriors plus three and a half. Uh, but we'll do a quick show tomorrow. I might do some ENRs as well. And that'll be it. And uh, I'll sort of break down my sort of three big things for uh, game four and a couple of the other sort of tips and stuff. And uh, we'll do that on tomorrow's show. But either way, how good was game three? Whew, that was awesome. So game four coming up on Saturday. So we'll do a quick preview show tomorrow. Uh, so we'll be back tomorrow. Have a bit of a chat. Quick chat. Just a quick Friday show. And uh, in the meantime, though, make sure you're following NBA Australia on Twitter, Face, IGs, for all the socials, you know that. NFL Australia with myself and Gaz chopping it up. That's what we do. Uh, World Wrestling Australia with Adam. Go check that out over, over on YouTube. NBAAustralia.com slash shop. Get your merch, get your merch. Chuck us a rating review on your podcast app. Go on, do it. I don't ask for too much, do I? But buy a t-shirt and check us a rating review. Uh, download the Noble app. Bang in the code Australia. Get 20% off. Big thanks go to From Oslo for the intro and outro song. They rule. Uh, so do Joshua De Laurentiis. Fascinated. Goldmines, Ramshackle Army, Iowa, Sex Jedi, Green, 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 and Dozers. They're behind all the tunes you hear throughout the show. Smash them all on Bandcamp, Triple J and Earth, Facey, Apple Music, Spotify, whatever. Remember, NBA Australia supports Australian bands, so should you. And we are going to close out today's show with a brand new Jocks Rocks. I absolutely love Jocks Rocks. <laughs> My favorite new segment in a bit. So enjoy that. All right, we'll catch you tomorrow for a quick show. Is NBA Australia saying, look after yourselves, would you? And later, Hosanna! Oh, g'day, and welcome to Jock's Rocks, where I, Jock Landale, let you in on one of my favourite hobbies, petrology. Yeah, petrology. All right, you, no, pet. it's not the study of pets or pets astrology or petrol. No, no, no. Petrology is rocks, like geology, isn't it? Like igneous, metamorphic, sedimentary. And basically, like, the processes that form and transform them. So I've also got a bit of an interest in mineralogy, which is the study of the chemistry, the crystal structure and physical properties of the mineral constituents of rocks. I just, to put it simply, fucking love rocks. And my name's Jock, so Jock's Rocks. Now, well, I talked about pumice last time, and I absolutely love pumice because it floats and it's pretty cool. And it's fun. It's super cool. Well, it's just fun. And another cool rock is one that's literally amazing because it's called from magma. I fucking love magma. And it's basalt, which is it's like one of the most common rock types going. But I love it. It's like igneous and it's dark and it's really cool because it's mostly comprised of like pyroxene and plagioclase, right? And it basically forms extrusively. That's right, extrusively from lava flows above the Earth's surface. But I'll tell you what, it also sort of underlies the bulk of the ocean basins on Earth, right? So while it's not as common on the continental plates, it comprises the majority of the oceanic plates. You know what I'm saying? So they're being actively formed at divergent oceanic boundaries and oceanic hotspots by the movement of plates and volcanic stuff. 
The cool part about basalt, though, is that it's the a pretty abundant rock that's on the moon, and you can find it on Mars as well, which is around Olympic Mons, which is the planet's primary shield, primary shield volcano. So basalt, not only is it cool on fucking Earth, it's cool on the moon and Mars. So I absolutely fucking love rocks, and basalt is sick as. So there you go. Now you know a little bit more about one of my more favourite rocks, and this has been Jock's Rocks with me, Jock Landale. Learn about the coolest thing that the Earth is made up of, rocks. Because rocks rock, and that's been Jock's Rocks. <laughs>